Benvenuti to episode 001, Moving to Italy, The Goods, The Bags, and The Fugly. This is your host, Nancy Steele. Don't miss the tips our guest will be sharing that might save you thousands and help you avoid losing your entire shipment due to one missing document. Co-founder of the Facebook group Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring, Mary Hansen, an American expat twice, lives in a small city of 17,000 in Italy's Puglia region with her husband, Tom, and their locally famous, hairless, Peruvian Inca orchid dog named Nanu. Prior to moving to Italy, they lived in Thailand for seven years. Those seven years were interspersed with 90-day visits in and out of Italy, trips she calls the Schengen Shuffle. Italy was the dream, Thailand the economic reality. With Italian taxes being among the highest in Europe, it made more economical sense to visit. In 2019, that changed. Italy offered the 7% Flat Tax Act. Returning to the U.S. to get the necessary elective residency visa, she made every mistake possible. She was turned down three times. Finally, on number four, the stars and paperwork aligned. Arriving in Italy 90 days before the COVID-19 lockdown, she has been through the worst of it, also the best of it, which has been experiencing the warmth of the Italian people. Now, four years later, she has paid taxes, renewed visas, and dealt successfully with Italian bureaucracy. She's truly living her best life, affordably. In 2019, the world looked inviting to me. I was enjoying early retirement, and my husband's retirement loomed with the promise of freedom and the long-awaited opportunity to stretch our wings and spend some extended time exploring the world. Then, in 2020, my husband and I found ourselves a bit lost emotionally and geographically. The global pandemic and our reaction to it had uprooted and moved not only our home, but our early retirement plans as well. As a Pacific Northwest native who'd fallen in love with and immigrated to New Orleans, a city whose colorful cultures, landscape, and spirit just breathed into me. I suddenly found myself on the brown flat plains in the center of America, about as far from my subtropical heart home as I could imagine. It was a difficult move for me, and a wise friend who knows me well said, Duh, you've had the most European of American cities. All that's left for you is the real Europe, or the beach. (laughs) I'm a firm believer that when life gives you lemons, you make cocktails or limoncello. So my thought was, why not both? And our journey toward Italy began. But the reality was that our financial situation had changed and the world had become much more expensive too. We weren't sure Italy was within our reach. Could we afford it? Europe's rich cultural treasures, globally ranked healthcare, fresh and amazing food, safe neighborhoods, and heavenly landscapes appealed to us most certainly. But would there be room in our middle-class American retiree income for other things too? Bars, restaurants, cafes, travel, grandkids? Or were the rumors really true? that Italy would consume much of our income in taxes. Thanks to a bevy of generous American expats in Italy who've given advice and my favorite podcast, Retire There by Gil and Jean, we realized that many expats are living in Italy affordably. Now we're on a countdown and determined to use our time wisely. We want to be fully prepared for the move we now are hoping to make in 2027. If you're thinking of moving to Italy, perhaps you've got questions too. Join me with expats and experts as we explore affordable Italy, living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring. If moving to Italy is on your radar, you've definitely begun to think about what to do with your lifetime of belongings. 
Is it prohibitively expensive to ship them? Or is it more expensive to buy the things you need all over again? Are there customs and legalities involved? And where do you go to find help with all of that? What about your beloved car back in the United States? Not to mention how to begin the actual process of purging goods that are deeply connected with emotions and infused with memories of a lifetime lived amongst them. According to some of the immigration and tax sites I've visited over the last several days, new residents of Italy are allowed to bring their household goods free of duties. One site explains, the permanent transfer of your primary docile is a condition of import duty exemption, but the burden of proof is on you. Conditions listed to qualify for these exemptions varied little among sites and were generally, they must be your household goods, which you have used and owned for at least six months prior to relocation. Some sites say goods must be greater than 12 months old and you may need receipts to prove this. You have to have lived in the country you're moving from for at least 12 months and you have to have lived outside of Italy for at least 12 months. You must present proof of application for residence registration with Italy prior to the arrival of your shipment and the importation must take place within 12 months from the date of your residence registration in Italy. There are devils in those details. Today, Mary Hansen has agreed to share with listeners her experience as an American expat who was living in Thailand who moved her goods to Italy in 2019. Join us as Mary explores with us moving to Italy, the goods, the bags, and the fugly. Mary, thanks for coming on today and sharing this part of your journey. Oh, you're more than welcome. Let's work through the process and uh, maybe you can start with, how did you go about deciding whether to bring your belongings to Italy or to repurchase? Well, let's back up a little bit to uh, the first part where you talk about what it takes to bring your stuff to Italy. You are allowed one container load or one shipment. It can be an LCL, which is 350 cubic meters of goods, or you're allowed a 20-foot container or a 40-foot container, one time only. So you can't say, whoops, I forgot, and ship another container. Secondly, you need the documents that they talk about. First of all, it says you have to apply to have been a permanent residence in Italy. That's when you go to the Questera within eight days of arrival in Italy. Finally, your shipper, if you're using an overseas container type of thing, or even an LCL, should have the proper documentation that needs to be filled out. It needs to be filled out and it needs to be approved, uh, certified is what the term we would use in the United States is. It might be apostillated by uh, the Italian immigration department here. In any case, the actual document needs to be approved by the Italian consulate. And basically, it's a single form, but you have to attach your entire container. I had 57 big boxes. So every single box I'd say, and you can't say household goods, you have to say seven blankets, four pillows, or for a kitchen, it would be five pots and pan or five pots, two pans, one wok. And it has to be very specific. You can't just be pots and pans. Basically, those are some things that you need to know before you even start this whole, okay, how do I decide what I'm going to ship? Okay. I'd been down the road with this when we moved to Thailand. I had a house in the United States in a Hilton resort. It was a three-bedroom condo, and we were renting it out for $1,000 a week during high season in Arizona, which is 14 weeks a year. Well, the year that we left, uh, the Arizona state government passed a law that said, all oh, there is no such thing as short-term rentals. You have to rent a minimum of 30 days. Well, that pretty well kicked our income level out of the house rental down to zero because nobody comes to Arizona for a month 
in the winter. So we ended up selling the house. My cousin, who's a realtor, called and said, well, you want to sell a house? I said, yeah. I said, let's list it in January. He says, well, you know, it's before Thanksgiving. Let's put it on the market now. You might find somebody's interested. We said, okay, fine. So we had put it on the market. Seven days later, we had an offer and it was the 20th of November and he wanted us out by the 20th of December. So we're trying to find a flight from Thailand to the United States, finally got out of Thailand on the 25th. And I spent 25 days literally taking apart a three bedroom house, deciding ship, give, sell. And I spent half of my days on eBay, half of my days packing stuff up to give whatever was left over. I didn't ship, I put in a storage locker, basically because I didn't know, are we going to like Thailand? You know, we'd been in Thailand at that point in time, about five months, you know, it was great up until then, but you know, <laughs> so our honeymoons. So anyway, uh, we left it, found a reasonable storage locker, which is an issue now in the United States. There's not a lot of those available. And uh, we ended up going ahead. The following year, I came back to the United States, went through the ship aisle again. Now, my husband had 37 boxes worth of CDs, DVDs, books, whatever. And those were non-negotiable. So start off, I've got 37 boxes of books, you know, and at that point in time, that was pretty much all we shipped. So we had a 35 cubic meter LCL. We had gone to the, at the consulate in Thailand. They had filled out the documents and uh, it was all good. So we shipped it all from the States and it was fine. Then fast forward nine years and the Thai government develops an attitude towards foreigners. Furong is the term they use. And I just sort of felt that based on the history of the violent clashes in Thailand and the fact that there was a civil war going on in the South, we'd probably be better off moving somewhere else. And this was in early 2019, 2019. And at the same point in time, Italy goes, woohoo, 7% income tax. We came to Italy, we started to look for property and we found a place that we liked, went, got our elective residency visas and we moved to Italy in September. Uh, I flew on to Thailand and spent the month of October packing up the house. Now, at that point in time, we had picked up a bunch of art. We lived in Thailand for nine years. We had shipped from the United States in a friend that had a container. They brought over and had room. We had shipped a uh, select number bed because my husband had lumbar laminectomy and now has been diagnosed with scoliosis. So we had shipped a bed, which is a huge volume thing. At that point in time, I sort of started to organize the, the stuff in Thailand. We ended up ending up with a 20-foot container. Okay, so how did I make the decision? Well, I had a pretty good idea of what stuff cost in Italy. Amazon.it is your friend. You can always get a pretty fair feeling for what stuff costs here, with the exception of furniture. <laughs> this is like carrying coals to Newcastle. <laughs> but my couch was an Italian leather couch that I bought in Bangkok from some expat who had shipped it to Thailand and then decided to move on and wanted to sell his Italian leather couch. <laughs> so we ended up shipping the couch back. Essentially, what I shipped back were the 37 boxes of books. One of these days, I'm going to get rid of those damn things <laughs> and art. I shipped kitchenware. I shipped my pots and my pans. I would not recommend you ship pots and pans 
if they are anything less than professional grade. I mean, a lot of this stuff is made here in Europe and you can get equivalent quality to your standard American pots and pants. Um, at Ikea, I also have a, a complete set of professional chef's knives and I actually have traveled with those for 15 years. I would pack them in my check luggage and I would bring them to Europe because in rental properties, the knives are catastrophically bad. And I actually ended up one time needing three stitches in my hand because the knife slipped. You know, I'm lucky I didn't lose, I'm lucky I didn't lose a finger. Oh goodness, a real test for the EU health uh, care there, huh? Healthcare, yeah, I've had yeah. a couple yeah. of things yeah. about that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I shipped at the time because I had a Western size mattress, I shipped my high thread count Egyptian sheets. I shipped uh, towels because towels in Italy, replacement towels are on a level of what you get at your average gold's gym. Uh, they're small, they're not very absorbent, and they're on a par with fine grade sandpaper. <laughs> <laughs> and but you can off. use them as packing material. <laughs> yeah, but you can, you can use you can use your sheets and your towels as packing material. Which is a trick yeah. that my mother learned a long time ago. <laughs> Do not ship silverware unless it's like sterling or family heirloom type stuff. Do not ship things like pie cutters and you know the little the little things you use for um, preparing food. It's all available at IKEA, and it'll cost you more to ship than it will to buy here. Do not bring a household uh, kitchen appliances. I brought a KitchenAid mixer because at the time, five years ago, the equivalent here in Italy was about a thousand euro. The prices have come down drastically. You can now get the equivalent of a KitchenAid for 200 to 300 euro. And also my KitchenAid had uh, about $600 worth of the little extras you can buy. I had the food processor, the pasta maker, the juicer, the shredder, ice cream maker. <laughs> you know, it goes <laughs> on and on. Right, yeah. <laughs> it goes on and on. So, but at the same point in time, I bought a $200 power converter. And in the five years that I've been here, it's been hard on the, on the KitchenAid. And I'm going to be lucky to get another year. Okay. And but that's fine. I mean, I, I will still have the attachments. I can buy a European KitchenAid for, you know, 300 euro. And that's going to be, you know, and that'll work for me. Um, I like to cook and uh, but I like to cook with good stuff. Essentially, that's pretty much what I actually did ship here. Oh, if you ship art, if you ship antiques, you must register them with the Agenzia Bella Arte, which is a national organization that basically is trying to prevent art theft. What has happened is over the past 10 years, a large amount of admittedly more contemporary art. I mean, so far we haven't lost any Caravaggio's or Leonardo's or whatever, but it, you know, stuff from, you know, late 1800s on has disappeared. It's gone out of the country, not due to theft because it was purchased properly in Europe. It's gone out under the covering of household goods. You went to this rodeo more than once. Yes. (laughs) You you are seasoned in making these decisions. And um, how did you actually go about finding the shipping company that helps you with this, I'm sure, reams of documents that needed to accompany the process? How did you actually find the right company? My best friend in the world has done this before. 
uh, he actually beat me to Thailand by about four months. So he had found a company in the United States and it's International Sea and Air Shipping is the name of it. And they do know the, they do know the forms that you need for Italy. Gotcha. And then, <laughs> so basically, yeah, they, I, I like them. They've done a good job. Uh, they, uh, you know, further on when we talk about this, you know, what actually happens type of thing, we can cover some of the documentation. Again, this form that you need from the Italian consulate, that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. So you found the company and there must've been some trust built there just based on your friend's experience with them. Were you afraid of loss and damage? I have to assume the things that you chose, you cherry picked. Those were the um, things that really meant something to you. Was there insurance right. involved? You can buy insurance. I self-insured. Like it was $500 on $5,000 worth of goods max. Yeah. You know, I'd have felt bad if my antiques and my art was at the bottom of the seat. <laughs> it wasn't irreplaceable, you know. Okay. So you were coming to Italy. Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just didn't seem like a good investment at the time. Okay. And then how long did you plan for this shipment to actually take? From the moment they picked up in your living room or however that works until right. it was supposed to land in your Caravino living room. What's that process look like? What's the time frame? Okay, well, it's it depends on a couple of things. Number one, I was shipping what would have been an empty container back to Europe. So that gave it an accelerated return versus, I'm not sure exactly what the Italian company did, but they were shipping stuff to, I think probably wine, and they were shipping to China and just needed their container back. So this company deals worldwide. So, you know, they know where all their containers are at any point in time. And they know that, okay, we begin to ship a 20 footer out of Thailand to Italy. And that gets them back to someplace where they need to go. Sure, and, sure. Airlines work the same way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so yeah. basically what happens is there are about six companies and International Land and Sea is not one of them. There are six international companies that handle container shipping. They handle all the ships. They handle all of the ports. It's a conglomerate like you would not believe. And so one of the things that you have to realize is that there isn't going to be a lot of difference in price. The difference in price is going to be determined on the arrival end, not on the shipping end. If you're in uh, Cleveland, you're going to get a price on everything coming out of Cleveland. That's okay. not negotiable, okay? What is negotiable is your port of entry. Oh. And the way this works is that 99% of all shipments into Italy land in Genoa. If you're shipping to Sicily or you're shipping to the heel or the toe of the boot, what happens is your container or your LCL gets unloaded in Genoa and it gets put on a truck that two guys drive from Genoa down to Sicily or down to the heel of the boat, boot or the toe of the boot. So you're paying for a week's worth of work for two guys because they're in that truck driving down, yeah. which takes two days. And plus the day that they're at your house loading or unloading because they don't drive that day. They just, <laughs> whatever. I know it's just a week. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. So I discovered this and I was lucky in that the Thai 
company that works with the American company. I said, well, why are we going to Genoa the, when there's a port, Bari, which is a big international shipping port that's 50 miles away? And I said, well, exactly. we can ship it to Bari. And I said, okay, well, what difference does that make? It was a difference between $7,000 and $5,000. Oh, Mary, that's huge. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's huge. So, ask you know it, it might be you might be better off trying to offload in venice if you're in the north rather than genoa or you know if you're closer to venice and genoa you know civita vecchia perfect example okay. major port and they do a lot of commercial as well as cruise ships type of thing so you know check there's also a small port in brindisi that depending on how big the ship is they might be able to ship to brindisi but that might make a difference in your arrival date. So, you know, these are all factors that you have to learn when you do international shipping. That's why it's such a big deal. Yeah. You are a master at digging the details. Thank you so much for sharing that. That right there is going to be money in somebody's pocket. Okay. But here's the thing is that once that it lands in Bari or Brindisi or Chibita Vecchia or Naples, you're going to have to get it off of the boat onto a truck into your destination. Now, these companies are good in terms of they will provide you with a driver and a truck. But it's going to be one guy. You'd better be less than like four hours from the port. Otherwise, they're probably going to, you know, they're going to charge you two days or something like that, which is still, I'm sure, a savings versus two guys for five days. But it's definitely going to be more pricey. You're going to need to, in your commune, you're going to need to go to your local police and you're going to need to get permission to park the truck in the road and to unload. And most of Italy has refugees. Um, many of the cities do. So you can just ask around. They're usually at the supermarkets, helping people with groceries, that kind of stuff for tips. And, you know, I paid them 10 euro an hour. I got four of them to come over. They said, you know, I knew that the shipment was coming XYZ day. They came over and they unloaded the truck in two hours. Now they sat around for two hours waiting for the truck to show up. So basically 40 bucks a piece, 160 total. The, the thing with the parking permit for the truck, you know, I did it. I don't know that. I certainly would say it would be critical in a large city. You're not going to get away with anything but it. We're a relatively small town. They, will, they were able to park on a major highway. Well, actually on a side road to a major highway, which is where my house is. But if they had to haul goods up through a one lane, typical Italian hill town, they could spend some serious money. Just be aware of that particular fact. Okay. In terms of overall cost for the entire move, mm -hmm. did you end up paying what you expected? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a little less because I had expected the uh, unloading cost to be more. Okay. I had figured 800, well, 500 to 1,000, and it ended up at about $350, $400. Sure. And I think in terms of what minimum wage would be in Italy, I think the amount that you paid the gentleman that you found to help unload was fair and in line with what they would make from yeah. an employee. Uh, minimum wage in Italy is eight fifty an hour. You pay 10, but that you get these little coupons if you want to be legal. And then you give these to whoever it is that's working for you. And then that other 150 goes for national health, uh, retirement, whatever. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that listeners understand that you weren't, I mean, here in the States, $10 an hour would not be minimum wage, but there in Italy, that actually was a fair wage. It was a win-win for everybody. It has gone up. Right now, casual labor like that is running 
11 to 12 dollars an hour sure and this was back in 2019 so before the world got more expensive <laughs> for everybody yeah <laughs> yeah the one thing i do want to say is you cannot pack your own goods if you are using the tax exemption because the shipping company has to if you pack them they're going to unpack it and repack it that's just okay. going to be part of the deal you still might want to do it because they will individually wrap nails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just say it's there. You can unpack it. You can verify contents against the inventory that you give them. Okay, great. Good. Because that is how they determine the overall value of the shipment, correct? Yes. It's also the way they prevent shipping cocaine. Sure. Did you run up against anything in terms of argument about the age of your goods? Because that seems to be a big conversation out there where people are trying to ship something that they don't deem as new, but sometimes the Italian um, government has deemed that that was new, so they didn't include it in the exemption. Did you run into anything like that? No, but again, I was shipping predominantly art, antiques. The only thing that I had that wasn't was the mattress, which, uh, you know, uh, shows signs of wear, and uh, the Italian leather couch. <laughs> and that had uh, and that had a tear so um no I didn't run into any trouble but I had other problems my problem was that the tax exemption form went to the shipping company's headquarters in Genoa I did not have a copy of it because the second copy of the form was in the container oh. I said it's in the container they said you have to have a copy or the Garda Finanza will confiscate the goods. They won't even open the container. They will just confiscate the goods. I'm going, okay, well, then I guess that means I pay customs. And they said, no, it will go to auction. Oh, Mary. So, oh, I, I can't. I mean, I sobbed all the way home about, you know, getting this close and going through the month of 10 and 12 hours a day with my personal assistant in Thailand packing only to have it snatched away at the last. So I call the company in Thailand and I say, they want the documents. I don't have them. Uh, they're on the containers, you know, and the company in Genoa says that they don't have them. And so she called me back and she said, we have a list of everything that was in the documents. We have copies of them if you need them. But this is who signed for them. And this is the FedEx shipping contra delivery confirmation. So I call them up and I say, Joe Blow signed Joe, you know, Perino signed for them on <laughs> December 20th at 1140 a.m. Go knock on his door. They called me back 40 minutes later, said, we'll uh, fax them to the port in uh, Bari. Oh, man. Yeah, but in the meantime, I paid $200 for that container to sit on the dock for 48 hours. And the so, blood, sweat, and tears that went into that 48 hours for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm dealing with Thailand being six hours ahead and original contracted American to the Thai subcontractor company. And, you know, it was... It was a nightmare. So I'm, I'm working across 14 hours in time zones. It was, oh I mean, you know, I, I nearly collapsed. And then, of course, every everything shows up on December 23rd. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Perfect. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Couldn't be any better. I have, a, I have a front room full of boxes. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Lovingly wrapped, even your nails, right? Yeah. Even your nails. That is the perfect ending. Well, I'm certainly glad you have a happy ending to that story. I cannot even imagine what would have happened if, if you'd have lost that entire container. Although you did say earlier you wanted to get rid of the 37 boxes of books. That's kind of extreme. So glad that worked out. So Mary, you have absolutely lived through moving to Italy, the goods, the bags, and the fugly, for sure. Um, do you have some other tips? Bringing vehicles is a comment I see you chime in on sometimes. Yeah, if you want a $5,000 lawn ornament or a $50,000 lawn <laughs> ornament, feel free. Perfect example. I have a friend who lives here. She uh, and her husband bought a new Mercedes in the United States two years before they moved here. So it's probably worth what? Be sixty thousand dollars now as a depreciation for two years, mm -hmm. and they shipped it. They're ex-U.S. military, so they probably got a smoking deal on shipping. For an ordinary person, it's about five grand to ship a car over. And they were told by a lawyer that they hired that, oh, this is easy. We can do this. There won't be any problems getting it licensed in Italy. Fifteen months later, sixteen months later, the car is still unlicensed. It's got expired American tag, so they can't drive it. And they are, they basically have not had any luck getting the car licensed in Italy, despite the fact that this is a German manufactured car. Oh my God. But Americans, our pollution control equipment is different, our safety equipment is different than the European Union. In some cases, it's better, in some cases, it's worse. But in any case, it's extremely difficult to get a car to pass the inspection. Even then, why didn't you buy a Mercedes in Italy? Tends to be the <laughs> attitude. <laughs> so I don't know that they're ever going to be able to drive that car here after this year, oh, after the last year. Heartbreak. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they probably at this point in time would best be served by shipping it back to the United States and selling it used. Oh my goodness. Maybe if you've got a target date for moving to Italy, don't make any big purchases, you know, within that yeah. couple of year time frame because you could very well end up with, you know, something that you're not going to be able to take or that you're going to really wish you hadn't. Right, oh. right. You know, and yeah. even even having gone through this once before and then a second on the second time, I'm here and I'm unwrapping stuff and I'm going, what was I thinking? <laughs> Right, right. And that's those emotions and the, you know, the tangle of memories and the, well, I might just need it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to struggle deeply when my day comes. Thank you so much, Mary, for sharing that incredible journey today. And I'm so glad again that it had a happy ending. Um, though you're still stuck with the 37 boxes of books. I keep hoping we'll have a fire. <laughs> it's, just, it's just frustrating because, oh. yes, a, a lot of them are texts or you know, my husband has a master's in latin and greek so there is stuff that's literally only available in hardcover but i think a assiduous winnowing would have got it down to 10 or 15 but oh sure it is what it is fine you know i brought i brought uh, art he brought books okay <laughs> so. and we've got to have the things around us that that are the most meaningful i think all right. Well, I will link some websites that we discussed in the show notes. And um, we hope that our listeners will join us on Facebook or Instagram to further discuss Mary's story. But as always, the devil is in the details. Neither of us is an expert. And we'd always want to remind listeners that it's really important to consult professionals for expert advice. Any professional or service that we discuss or recommend is a personal opinion only and results from personal experience or the experience of others should not be considered an endorsement. Do your due diligence when deciding to move to Italy affordably. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, please like us and subscribe for more. We will continue to explore regions, towns, taxes, and tips here and on Facebook at Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a Bootstring, at Instagram under the same name, and now at italyisaffordable.com. If you know anyone who is living in Italy who'd like to converse with me, I'd love to meet them via my email, italyisaffordable at gmail.com. And now for that much-anticipated limoncello. Chin-chin!